Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sports Day for Kia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Surely Peter Capes, the CEO of the Subiaco Football Club. Let's just first update a bit of cricket for Tyre Power. Buy three, get one free on selected Falcon tyres during Tyre Power's best buys on Big Brands Sale. The selectors have announced a pretty strong 16-player squad for the series uh, against India. Uh, all-rounders Glenn Maxwell, Mitch Marsh uh, are being joined by pacer Jai Richardson. They're all coming back from injury. Uh, the first ODI between Australia and India is in Mumbai on March the 17th and there's two other games on the 19th and the 22nd. The West Australians in the squad of 16, Ashton Agar, Cameron Green, Josh Inglis, Mitchell Marsh, Jai Richardson and Marcus Stoinis. So congratulations to them. A nice WA flavour in that 16-man squad. That's how they play them. And don't take him over there and do what they did to Ashton Agar. And congratulations to Cam Bancroft. And he's continued to make a case for a return to Test cricket for the first time since the 2019 Ashes, turning um, his fourth Sheffield Shield century for the season into 176 crucial runs in Tasmania. By the way, WA are in total control. They made 300 in the first innings. They dismissed Tasmania for 169 and then declared it three for 372, of which Bancroft, 176 not out. Whiteman made 30, Teague Wiley, 80, and Hilton Cartwright, 16. Aaron Hardy, together with Bancroft, was not eight, not out 58 at the end. And Tasmania, needing something like oh, nearly 500 to win, they still need another 403, uh, eight for 101, eight for 101. And the uh, chief destroyers have been Matthew Kelly, four for 41, and Joel Paris, three for 34. So WA are going to have a big win down there in Hobart against the Tasmanians. Let's go to Peter Capes now. He's the president, well, in fact, not the president, but the CEO, more important he is, uh, at the Subiaco Footy Clubs, uh, and he joins us on the program. Hello, Capesy. How are you? Hello, Pete. How are you, mate? Nice to be on your show. I'll be president, CEO, whatever you want me to be, Pete. Yeah. How no long? Problem. How long have you been CEO at Subi now? Uh, ten years, Pete. Congratulations! So, uh, that deserves uh, a round of applause. Yeah. A ten-year anniversary for Peter <laughs> Capes. Well done, mate. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> mate, that's a that's a, a fair innings, and you've seen a lot happen in that time, haven't you? Subiaco have been a successful club. Okay, you've missed out on finals uh, a couple of years during that decade, but predominantly it's been a, a pretty good ride for you. Yeah, well, look, it hasn't always been easy. I think we finished eighth, uh, sixth and eighth, and, and uh, we're going nowhere 
um, a couple of years after I started, mate. So uh, turned it around really quickly under SCOE. Uh, Jared Scoper was the coach at the time after Chris Waterman, and uh, we turned that around, and, and we've had uh, a really good period of time since then. So really good, a lot of people working hard, doing the right things, Pete. Yep. The reason I invited you to join us, and I thank you very much for accepting the invitation, is looking at some of the financials in the WAFL. And there was a story in the West this morning about the financials of the West Australian Footy Commission. They're not making big money anymore, but saying that when you look at uh, the WAFL clubs, there was four that was listed that maybe uh, couldn't get in the black in the last financial year, particularly led by Subiaco, your club, with a deficit of 343,380. We can only go back to all those years when, of course, the AFL games were played at Subiaco Oval and Subiaco used to conduct a corporate function. I remember hosting that a few times. And, of course, you got revenue from seats that you had, a block there at uh, Subiaco Oval. So Subi were certainly one of the real strong financial clubs in the waffle for that reason. Now you've, of course, repositioned yourself in the last few years since Optus Stadium took over from Subi at Leederville Oval. It's a bit more of a harder grind now. Well, those figures suggest that maybe it is. Well, I think, think a couple of things is that when we finished at Subia Aval and, and footy went to Optus Stadium, we had to transition and, and fill a, a fairly sizable hole in our budget. And I think we've done a really good job. I mean, that was five or $600,000 was, was, was the expectation, considering that we were investing in the facilities here at Leederville and, and our footy program at the time. So... Um, to, to even to be pleasing to, to have below th- or three hundred thousand or thereabouts, we, we would have taken um, in two thousand and sixteen seventeen. Anyway, so so, but we're not happy with. So having said that, Pete, we we uh, we would have taken it then, but now we're not. We were really disappointed with that outcome last year. Um, We've still got um, a reasonably strong balance sheet. Um, we've got some investments in uh, that are run by uh, a committee of uh, brokers and all that, and we've been doing that for quite some time. At, at the time of our annual our end of financial year, auditors expect us to, to put a valuation at that time. So at that time, our investment fund was valued at $100,000 less than the same time a year before. As of today, if we're doing it as of the 20, whatever it is, 4th of February, we'd be $150,000 in front of that number. So it just depends on when, when that time of year is. So that 343 includes $120,000 um, from our investment fund. So it's not really a loss. It's a paper loss at the time, Pete. Okay. Uh, East Romano was listed as a loss. Uh, they were the big losers, 322, Peel Thunder, 145, East Perth, 60. Saying that... Yep. Uh, what about the general yep. overall state of play when it comes to the financials that regarding the Waffle Clubs? We knew West Perth were on their knees a few years ago. Uh, Neil Fong was brought in as the president and they've turned things around, supposedly. Uh, is it a tough grind because there isn't the money in football anymore or are some clubs maybe living beyond their means? Well, I think everyone needs to look at that. We've looked at our expense side of things really, really heavily um, and tried to reduce that down as much as we can. So I I, I don't see evidence in the waffle where people are spending money when they probably haven't got it. If you're talking about, say, West Perth, who make a $24,000 profit on a $2 million budget, um, it's pretty fine margins, mate, isn't it, really? Let's be honest. Mm. So um, uh, not not much has to go wrong either way of that is... um, 
uh, a major sponsor pulls out, and you made a fifty thousand dollar loss in that in that case. So um, there's not much. Uh, room for manoeuvring around so so the margins are really tight in waffle and um, so you're trying to do everyone's trying to raise revenue and reduce expenses and uh, and that's the waffle competition no one's saying there's there's a whole bunch of uh, excess funding around it's uh, everyone works really hard to try to get to a break-even position so where is the main revenue stream you mentioned sponsorship and what is the major expenditure I gather its payment on players so is there enough? Yeah. Yeah, go on, mate. Sorry, I didn't need to butt in. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, is it a case of you need to make sure you, you grab sponsorship? Is membership also important? They're the two revenue drivers. And then you've got, on the other hand, the amount of money. I know there's a salary cap that can be paid to players. Uh, is that the, the equation? You just need to be more in market and try and attract as much uh, revenue into the football club as possible. And then, of course, you're competing with the likes of the West Coast Eagles and also the Fremantle Dockets for that sponsorship dollar. Yeah, mate. You look, it's... Um, uh, Waffle clubs, I mean, uh, have, have bar and catering things, so you're having events and functions and all those sorts of things. And, and bar sort of like turnover is, is somewhere between three hundred dollars and $500,000 ballpark, and you're making about a third of that as your net. Most clubs' membership is about a hundred grand a year. Ballpark is, is what most clubs work on, so you're trying to increase that as high as you possibly can. But that's where your membership stuff. Sponsorship, I mean, is about half a million dollars a year. Um, every club gets around about those sort of numbers. So, um, so you add, add sort of those up, and you're going, oh, well, it's, there's um, they're, your, they're your three main sources of income. Um, then you got look, gate. People coming to the games in membership is probably about one hundred and fifty, one hundred eighty thousand dollars ballpark. But um, so a footy program costs most clubs about eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, it's your main source of your senior senior football. So uh, I think and, until we look at is all that being spent on the right things in a, in a senior footy program. Unless you're not going to be playing paying coaches and players going forward, there's not too much room to reduce that down too much. You got a um, your salary cap's about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, um, and honorariums, physios, doctors, coaches, um, um, all those sorts of people. I mean, they cost clubs about a couple of hundred grand as well. Mm. So you're talking, don't know, five, six hundred thousand uh, dollars to put footy on as a, at a minimum. Yeah. Is Subiaco's... But, but, but again, it's, it's really worthwhile, Pete. I think the the the, the environments that Waffle Clubs ha- have, the, uh, the 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 trying to get the best out of young men and, and develop coaches and, and the pathway, um, you'd argue it's not a significant amount of money to be spending when uh, an AFL club spending seventy or eighty million dollars. Um, I know. Look, I know they get. 50,000 people are going to watch the games and all those sorts of things. So you, we, Waffle Clubs are doing it on a shoestring budget and still still doing a pretty good job. And uh, a lot of people follow it and watch it. Oh, yeah. It's a great competition. Don't get me wrong. And that's a terrific competition. So is Subiaco's future at Leaderville Oval, do you think? Or is it maybe an opportunity to maybe look at another part of the community that could be well served by the Lions? I know we've seen what's happened with West Perth. I know that East Perth at one stage were in discussions with possibly the city of Swan to head out towards the Whiteman Park, Ellenbrook area, which is there in their zone to see if they can capture that market out there. Uh, is And the fact that you're now joint tenants with East Perth at Leaderville Oval, does it work? Oh, we've been joint tenants with East Perth since 2004. 
Um, and uh, we've put a lot of time and effort into making sure that uh, we're happy with the sharing arrangements. We respect each other, um, and 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 don't. And there's no conflict in that in that space. So um, the purpose of it was: do we do we save money by sharing ground costs and and uh, all those sorts of things? And I think we, we probably do in that respect. I think we definitely do. Um, it's about the the quality of the venues we've both got and the ground now. We're, we're forever looking at with well trying to work with the city of Vincent to to improve facilities, to improve lighting. Currently, we're trying to get that done, and we're trying to put on a really good match day environment, which encourages people to to come to the ground. So, uh, we, us and East Perth work pretty closely together to try to continue to improve here. And there's a bit of frustrations in that space at the moment, but we're working pretty hard to try to make sure that that works for us. Good on you, Capesy. Thanks for joining us. Uh, looking forward to the new season. And, of course, it gets underway on the Easter long weekend. Oh, we absolutely are. Absolutely are. I, I think the only other one that's probably um, challenged clubs in the last little while is is the, the women's competition mm-hmm. coming under the Waffle Club banners now. So um, I think everyone's trying to improve the standard of that as quickly as we possibly can. And there's probably been some additional costs in that space that, clubs probably weren't getting funded to, to take uh, responsibility for, Pete. So uh, we're working with a footy commission to get that, but we're all really happy. We're excited about the women's competition starting in a few couple of weeks and, and the men's competition in, in, uh, in uh, sorry, uh, Easter. Can't wait. Can't wait, mate. We, yeah. we think we're a good chance of playing finals and we'll, we'll see very soon, won't we? Uh, lovely to chat to you, Capes. You're always good fun and uh, you always uh, speak well here on radio and uh, we'll keep engaging with you during the course of 2023. Thanks for your time. Well, anytime, Pete. Good on you, mate. Good on you. you. There you Bye. go. Uh, that's uh, Peter Capes, the CEO of the Subiaco Footy Club. Subiaco, $343,000 loss. He's from Anil, $322,000. Dollar loss, Peel Thunder, hundred and forty-five thousand, East Perth, sixty thousand, and uh, they've all got certainly a case to say that uh, it's not a true reflection of their financial status, as Peter just mentioned. There, twenty-nine past five. Uh, we're going to take a break in a couple of moments, and then we're going to come back with Ruben Zadkovich. Just repeating that I did speak to Ruben, the coach of the Perth Glory. Uh, earlier this afternoon when things were starting to bubble under the surface regarding a so-called, allegedly a heated physical altercation with one of his players. The player was Giordano Colley during a training session. It was on Tuesday, which sparked an investigation by the A-League Chiefs and the Players' Union. And according to a number of sources familiar with the incident, Zakovic was um, a fill-in for a game of five-a-side with the players which became heated. Both players went for a, well, that is Zadkovic and Collie went for a challenge. They both fell to the ground and reportedly there may have been a bit of wrestling between the player and Zadkovic. And in the end, that that was it. But the report, and there was a, a leading football journalist at training on Tuesday who was working for Paramount who decided uh, it wasn't worthy of reporting. There was nothing in it. But there was a player in the squad at the Glory that my informants tell me actually alerted, actually alerted the governing bodies to look at the investigation. And that uh, those uh, bodies being, of course, the Professional Footballers Australia, PFA, and the Australian Professional League, the APL that run the competition. So we'll see what happens. Ruben Zadkovic, to be fair, not backward in coming forward, says, put me up. And he will be put up. 
after the training session tomorrow. The players leave on Saturday for Brisbane. They take on the Brisbane Raw. But just going back to the conversation I had with him earlier today, we decided to focus, because this was going to come out later in the day, on the match and where the team is at and who's available to play this weekend as the Glory play two away games in a row. They play the Brisbane Raw and then Western United. Both sides are sitting second last and last, and it's a very, very important next couple of games for the Glory if they're going to make a serious assault possibly on the finals this season when many thought... They didn't have a chance. So that's coming up in just a moment. Uh, people have asked me to just go through the Australian ODI squad. This is it. Pat Cummings is captain. Then there's Sean Abbott, Ashton Agar, Alex Carey, Cameron Green, Travis Head, Josh Inglis, Manus Labashane, Mitchell uh, Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Jai Richardson, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, Marcus Stoinis, David Warner, and Adam Zampa. So that's a 16-man squad that'll play an ODI series, three ODIs in India, the first one in Mumbai on March the 17th, and the other two matches have been played in Visag on March 19 and Chennai on March the 22nd. And quite a good West Australian contingent, as you can see. Agar, Green, Josh Inglis, Mitchell Marsh, Jai Richardson, Marcus Stoinis, and Glenn Maxwell, Recovering from a broken leg. Of course, Mitch Marsh from that ankle and Jai Richardson with the hammy. So some, uh, it's a pretty good-looking squad. Let's hope they all stay fit and they stay on the park. This is Sports Day with uh, Peter Vlahos. We'll take a short break. It's all thanks to Kia. And uh, you can join us anytime on the Temperate Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736.